Part 4, Chapter 26 Penny always had a cat. Now he had a long-haired calico, only a few months old, named Drew. He always named his female cats Drew. Drew laid on the big, well-made bed and watched as Penny regarded himself in the mirror over the dresser. It's going to be a big day today, Drew, Penny said, as he, as he checked himself in the mirror, making sure his shirt was unwrinkled, his hair was neatly combed. Penny spent a lot of time taking care of his appearance, making sure his hair was trimmed and neatly combed, his teeth were brushed, and his clothes were clean and fit him well. He wasn't sure why he bothered. People didn't notice him. It was what allowed him to live in his big apartment without paying rent, how he was able to keep food and clothes. People did things for him without realizing why they did them. He could hear Drew purring, knew she was happy with a belly full of food and a soft, warm bed to sleep on. Her needs were few, he thought, but when they were met, the contentment with life she radiated calmed him and made him patient. A big day, he whispered, and closed his eyes, reaching out. He was strong enough to reach a lot further these days, and he could feel the slumbering mind of the approaching creature, the alien god that would soon sideswipe the earth. He wondered if Mr. Dr Mr. Winston, or Drew, the original Drew, could sense the creature now. It had been three years or so since he'd warned her about it, and he knew they were both searching desperately for it. Time to get a bit more powerful, Drew, Penny said, glancing at the cat and grinning. Time for me to gulp down another guppy. He turned back to the mirror. His reflection showed him to be grinning widely. A little bit too widely, he thought, and he felt himself stop grinning, leaning forward a little closer to the glass. His reflection didn't move at all, but the grin widened even more. Oh no, he whispered. Oh yes, his reflection replied, reaching forward, the hand shattering the glass and gripping Penny's throat. Cat Drew watched from her vantage point on the bed, neither understanding nor caring what was going on a few feet away. There was a brief but intense flash. Good kitty, reflection Penny said to her. The original Penny was gone. All that remained a little wisp of smoke that hung in the air. Reflection Penny stood in the room amid the broken glass, glancing around, and then began to fade. Good kitty, Drew, he said, disappearing entirely. Cat Drew rolled over on the bed and shut her eyes, purring loudly in the otherwise empty room. Drew sat at the table in her father's room, across from him, while Lala set their dinner in front of him. There had been three, it had been three years since she'd returned from the world threatened by the alien creature and experienced the earthquake. Three years since she'd last seen Penny as well. Her father, she knew, had not given up looking for him. In fact, he spent a lot of time on that, but she found herself hoping that he wouldn't be successful. So far, she'd gotten her wish, much to her father's mounting frustration. Lala finished setting out their dinner and stood by. 
You can go now, Drew's father told her. Lala curtsied and left the room, closing the door. I wanted to have us to have this time because I have news of a sort, her father said, cutting the roast beef on his plate. What have you found, Drew asked, taking a sip of her water, pouring herself a cup of coffee from the pot Lala had left. Drew had started drinking coffee a lot more since the last time she'd seen Penny and now felt like she had to have it with all of her meals. This creature Penny mentioned to you, I'm able to sense it now. How far away is it? Drew asked. Closer than I'd like. It's very powerful. If anything, more powerful than I feared. I should have detected it a long detected it long ago, but for some reason I couldn't. I'm wondering if Penny had something to do with that, or if he has something to do with it moving so much faster than it should. What are we going to do? Drew asked. I don't know yet. I'll need to keep studying it, finding out exactly what it is. Hopefully that will provide the key to destroying it. Maybe we don't need to destroy it, Father, Drew said, eating some of the diced carrots on her plate. They were still a little crunchy, just like she liked them. How do you mean, he asked. The danger is it's asleep and dreaming. It can change reality with its thoughts, so its dreams may cause all sorts of changes that could harm humanity or even destroy it. Yes, he said, taking a drink of, drink of his own water. Once more, its influence crosses, influence crosses the barriers between the worlds. It'll have an impact on all of them. What if we just woke it up, Drew asked. I doubt that would be much better. It would probably be much worse. How do you know that, Father? You just assume it'll decide to destroy humanity when it encounters us. Entities as powerful as this, as this creature will probably not even notice humanity, he said. The problem, Drew, is this creature's innate power. We all have the, the ability to change our world. You know this. It's the basis of our power. You and I and a few others have power to change the world much more than others. Most people are completely unaware of how they influence the world around them, how they change it to accommodate their desires. This creature, if I understand it correctly, is no different. It can change the world, warping it beyond recognition and not even be aware of it. It could change humanity in such a way that it can no longer exist. So you're saying we need to destroy this thing because of what it might do, Drew asked. Her father smiled. If we wait until it's actually doing it, then it will be too late. Neither of us will be powerful enough to undo what it could do. Penny might be powerful enough, Drew said. He might, but we've already had this discussion. He said he's going to do something about it, Drew said. We can't trust him. You know that. We don't know what he has planned, but I think it would be a safe assumption that whatever it is, it is something we'd rather he didn't. Drew paused while she parsed out that sentence before taking another sip of her coffee. I think we should talk to him about it. Have you been in contact with him again? No, Drew said. She felt his power working then just a little, and she knew he was checking to see if she was lying. He nodded. 
You know what to do if he does. I don't know if I'm strong enough to destroy him. He was so much more powerful the last time I saw him. I think you are perhaps the only person who can destroy him, regardless of how much more powerful he is. What do you mean? Drew asked. You're the only friend he's ever had. I'm sure that's still the case even now. His affection for you could prove to be his undoing. I can't take advantage of his feelings for me to kill him, Drew said. You may have no choice. They ate in silence for a long moment. How is James, he finally asked. You've never asked me about him before, Drew said. She felt her cheeks reddening again at the question, in spite of her efforts to control the reflex. You've grown quite close to him over the years, since the earthquake. I guess, Drew said. He's quite taken with you. So, Drew asked. He's a good lad. He's a bit of an innocent, true, but he's kind and decent and as powerful as useful to us from time to time. Detecting lies is something we can both do, Drew said, along with everything else. True, but he's much better at it than either of us. We may need that from time to time. But why are we talking about him, Drew asked. He wants a romantic involvement with you, and you aren't open to it anymore. You were before. Something happened on that world you went to after the earthquake. Maybe, Drew said. She never told her father about Knowles, and still didn't want to talk about him about it even now. While you told me what happened, I think there were some specific details that you omitted. Nothing important, Drew said, feeling herself blushing again remembering how it felt when Knowles kissed her. You met someone there, someone who is dead now. I'd rather not talk about it, Drew said. Fine, but my initial point is that relationships with those such as us are risky. Once we begin to have feelings for someone, that becomes a potential weakness. Are you saying that my friendship with James is dangerous to him, Drew asked? Possibly. Whoever it is that is organizing the Inklings' rebellion, whoever freed Penny seems to know a lot about our business. He or she probably knows about James and knows about your relationship with him. He can be used, maybe even without being aware of it, to reach you. What should I do? Stay away from him? Drew asked. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're old enough now to make your own decisions about that, he said. Thank you, Drew said. I do want you to be aware of it, though. Just be careful. I will, Drew said. It was later that day when she took James on a picnic. She sent him a message, and he arrived a couple of hours later. Her father was in the library, continuing his research on the approaching threat, so she took James through the door in his, in his room to the Walk of Worlds. He'd been on the walk with her a few times before, but he was still looking around in amazement as she led him down the path to the place she had selected. It was the world she'd seen in her dream years earlier. The world with fairies and a deep purple sky and a big, multicolored world above it all. You have quite a bit of food here, James said as he lowered as, she, as he lowered the basket on the ground 
and got out the blanket they were going to use as a table. It was quiet, a gentle breeze stirring the limbs of the trees, but Drew knew there were fairies here and they were watching as they spread the blanket and began setting out the food. I told Lala to pack a lot of food. I thought you'd be hungry, Drew said. I am, James said. Drew settled onto the edge of the blanket and he sat across from her, lying on his side. They sat in silence for a long while and she looked at him, noticing how tall he'd gotten over the past few years. His voice was deeper, too, and he had to shave every day now. Still, he lacked that worldly quality that Knowles had. Except for their trips on the Walk of Worlds, he'd never left his little valley. He'd certainly never killed anyone, or even caused anyone any harm, she thought. You get more like him every day, James said, grabbing a sandwich from the basket and taking a bite out of it. Who, Drew asked. Your father, James said. Who did you think I meant? Nobody, Drew said, feeling her panic begin to subside. She'd never mentioned Penny to him and was afraid Penny had contacted him. Why do you say that? You told Lala to pack a lot of food. The Drew I knew a few years ago would have asked her. I don't understand. She works for us. You can still be polite. You never say please or thank you anymore either. You just order people around. I don't think I like where this conversation is going, Drew said. I'm sorry, James said, but your father is the same way. I understand it. He's powerful and important. He forgets sometimes that other people around him have feelings too. I'm glad you understand, Drew said. Yes, James said. That doesn't mean I like it, though. You're turning into somebody that, that somebody else, somebody I barely know. You don't know what I've seen, Drew said. I know that. I've been places I can't even imagine. Seen and done things I'd never understand. To keep us safe. All of us. So, I don't get too upset when you just summon me to have a picnic with you at the last minute without asking me if I had something else to do or even asking me how I'm doing or taking any interest in my life. What? Drew asked. I'd never... She stopped herself at first because she didn't want to hurt James's feelings, but then realizing that he had a point. I'm sorry, she said. You know, since my father died that I've been trying to manage his business, I haven't been doing all that well. The people father did, with it, did business with don't take me seriously. I don't know what I'm doing, and they know it. I could help you with that, Drew said. I don't want you to, James said. I don't want your help. I just want you to listen to me when I talk about it. What good would that do, Drew asked. It's what friends do. They listen. I see, she said. Have you ever been friends with anybody, Drew? She thought about Penny. Sort of, she said, but it was a long time ago. So you really don't know how, do you, James asked. I guess not, Drew said, but I'd be willing to learn. Good, James said, smiling, and Drew realized that it had been a long time since she'd seen him blush. So, what do we do now, Drew asked. We enjoy our food, and when we get back to Margincourt, 
you tell Lala that she did a really good job putting the picnic together and thank her for it. Okay, Drew said. I'll be sure she was interrupted by a voice, a masculine voice that seemed to come from everywhere at once. It was chanting. Through wind and fire, earth and rain, through fire and death, love and pain, through pale mountains and darkest water, I summon thee, O sorcerer's daughter. She could feel herself fading away, the world around her disappearing, James looking at her with astonishment on his face. Drew, she heard him shout, his voice echoing, what's happening? She didn't have an answer for him, even if she could make him hear her. She couldn't stop it. The world changed from the purple skies of the world where she'd been having her picnic to the dark stone walls. There were lit torches along the walls, painting the room with a flickering yellow light. There were candles, too, spaced evenly around on the stone floor. There was a design on the floor, a pentagram, and she was in the middle of it. The lit candles marked each point. Hello, Drew. It was the same voice that had been chanting as she turned to see a figure standing there. It was a tall person wearing heavy robes with a hood covering his head. He stood just outside of the pentagram and, as she watched, he reached up and slid the hood off of his head. It was Penny, older, with longer hair and a long beard trailing from his chin. He looked a lot older than she thought he would, and she wondered where he'd been spending his time. Probably in a place where time passed faster, she thought. As he lowered his hood, she also saw that he was wearing leather gloves. The fingers were too long and seemed to bend in ways that were strange, like the joints were changed somehow. Penny, she summoned her power and took a step towards him, bringing her right to the edge of the pentagram. She felt a shock, not the faint tingling she'd felt when she stepped across the pentagram before. This one was like more like a powerful electric shock, and as she tried to get past it, it only grew stronger. I'd stop if I were you, Penny said. You'll destroy yourself. She stopped and attempted to reach him with her power. It was also blocked by the pentagram. How can you do this, she asked. I'm a lot more powerful now, Penny said. Much more than the last time you saw me. Though apparently I can only summon you when you leave Marginkor. I guess the protections there are still strong enough to prevent it. How? How are you growing more powerful, Drew asked. He chuckled. Are you familiar with the many worlds theory? That every action we take creates a separate universe for every choice we could have made, Drew said. He nodded. I found a way to get to those worlds. It wasn't easy, but I did it. That's impossible, Drew said. He smiled at her, pacing around the rim of the pentagram. You should have told me that before I succeeded in doing it, he said. I travel those universes, finding those other pennies that live there. I kill them and absorb their power, which I can do since it was yours anyway, Drew said. Exactly, but there's more. Every time I kill one of my other selves, guess what happens? It creates another universe where you didn't kill your other self, Drew said. Penny laughed. Exactly. 
and I track that version of myself down and kill him too. There are no limits to the amount of power I can have. There are limits, Penny. You weren't meant to contain all that power. It's changing you into something else. Something better. A vessel to contain all this power is much finer, much purer than my weak human flesh ever was. That's crazy, Penny. What do you want with all that power anyway? Remember that thing I told you about? It's a lot closer now. I'm sure your father's detected it. Yes, Drew said. She didn't see where telling him would hurt anything. Penny nodded. It can manipulate reality with a skill I just don't have. That's what it does. We already know that, Drew said. Soon it'll be strong enough to ta I'll be strong enough to take control of it. To replace the mind of the creature. To become it. Then I'll have its power as well as my own. And what are you planning to do, Drew asked. I'm going to use its power, and mine too, to go back in time. Back to a time before the universe was created. I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it a different place. A better place. How will it be better, Drew asked. I'm going to make it so that humanity will no longer need a sorcerer to protect it. You'll no longer be necessary. You'll be free to live your life any way you want without having this enormous responsibility on your shoulders. What? Drew asked, feeling a bit dizzy. I'm going to make myself into God, and I'm doing it for you, Penny said. You don't have to do that, Penny. I'm happy with my life as it is. But you don't know what your life could be, Drew, Penny said. Imagine one with your power without having all that responsibility. That's what makes me who I am, Drew said. Without my responsibility, why would I even need my power? It would be pointless. He grinned at her but said nothing. What are you going to do with me, he asked. Nothing, Penny said. I'll send you back to your friend shortly. His name is James, and if you hurt him, I don't have any intention of harming him. Things happen, though. I'm not asking you to do this, Penny. Come with me. Talk to Father. We could use your help. Your father will stop at nothing to destroy me, and you know it, Penny said. But he isn't strong enough. If I killed him, you'd hate me even more than you do now. I can't have that. I don't hate you, Penny, Drew said, realizing as she said it that it was true. She didn't hate him. She'd never hated him and she could never imagine a time when she would. Very well. She could tell he didn't believe her. Why did you summon me? To tell me what you're going to do? To make you understand what I'm doing. I'm trying to help you. You could help me, too. Help me help you. It sounds like you don't need my help. I don't need it, but I could use it. We'll deal with this thing, and with you, Drew said. Penny sighed. Very well. Just remember that I can summon you now. You don't have the power to resist. Send me back, and if you aren't going to help us, then at least leave me alone, Drew said. I can't do that. Not at this point. I've come too far. He held up a hand, the palm facing her. I release you to return from whence you came. 
The world faded again, the stone walls being replaced by the purplish skies of the fairy world. James was running around the clearing searching for her, and when she finished materializing, she could hear him calling her name. I'm here, she called, and he turned, a wild look in his eyes. Are you all right, he asked, coming towards her, calming down. As well as I can be, she said. What happened to you? Help me gather up the picnic stuff, and I'll tell you on the way home. What about the rest of the food? It'll spoil. Leave it to the fairies, Drew said. Chapter 27 Drew's father listened to her story with growing alarm. They were in the library. Drew was sitting at a table next to James, her father sitting across from them. There was a stack of books next to his elbow on the table, along with a pad and pen, and she could see he'd been making notes. Bree came over with another armload of books that she left with the others on the table, looking and smiling at Drew before going back to her desk. Needless to say, it concerns me that he's worked up a way to conjure you, he said. I know, Drew said, her voice trembling slightly. Fortunately, he still can't get through Marginkor's defenses. Did you see anything? he asked James. I just saw Drew fade and then disappear. I was looking for her in the clearing and she reappeared behind me. I see, Drew's father said. He looked at Drew. Any ideas as to where he took you? I think it was a castle somewhere, but other than that, I don't have any idea. That doesn't narrow it down. He leaned back in his chair, stroking his chin. I have an idea. If he's grown as powerful as you say, we should be able to locate him with a little effort. Really? How? Drew asked. I've gained some experience in searching for powerful magical beings looking for our approaching alien god. I may be able to adjust what I've learned to search across worlds, too. But he's found a way to cross into parallel worlds, Drew said. Has anybody ever done that? Not that I know of, but it shouldn't prevent us from being able to find him. He won't be able to hide his power. It should shine like a beacon across the worlds. We just have to learn how to look for it. This is the man who killed Gerald, James asked. Well, technically, the person who sent... Uh, he's the person who sent the Arthasaur to kill your brother, Drew's father said. I don't know, Drew said. Isn't the description of the man who recruited the Inklings that he's tall and wore a heavy robe with a hood covering his head, Drew asked? That's what I understand. That's what Penny was wearing when he summoned me, Drew said. Her father snapped his fingers. Of course, you said he wanted to travel through time. He's probably been experimenting with it. He's been behind everything. The conspiracy, killing Gerald, even freeing himself. It makes sense now. It doesn't to me, James said. He looked quite confused, Drew thought. The person who brought, it, brought in the Arthasaur that led to Gerald's death and freed Penny was Penny from the future, Drew told him. That explains how he even knew that Penny was here and where he was staying. Precisely, Drew's father said. I'm still confused, James said. 
time travel, Drew said. Think about it for a while. You'll figure it out. If you say so, James said. Drew looked at her father. Could he be hiding in the future, she asked. Possibly, but unlikely. I suspect the time we are living in now is the time he traveled back to from, to free himself from his captivity. This is definitely the man who killed, killed Gerald then, James asked. Yes, either way it was him, Drew's father said. Are you planning something, James? Drew asked. Only if I see him, I'll kill him, James said. If you see him, you'll do well to get away from him as quickly as possible, Drew's father said. I'm not a coward, James said. Nobody is saying you are, Drew said. You just won't be able to hurt him at all, but he'll be able to completely destroy you with just a thought. So if you should see him, stay away, please. If you say so, James said again, and she wondered if, when he told a lie, he was able to detect it as well as he could when he heard someone else tell one. What are we doing here? Drew asked her father. They were standing on the path in the welcome worlds. He'd led her here, and they'd walk for a time. She could feel his power working, but it wasn't as focused as it usually was when they were going somewhere. We need to search multiple worlds at once, he said. We can do that here. Watch. He gestured, sweeping his right arm towards the sky, and she felt a blast of his power going out and working. This was much more focused than it had been before, and she could see it working, directed by his thought, and she remembered what Penny had said about them being able to shape the world around them. Ah, he said, it's working, see? He pointed to a place in the sky. Drew looked where he pointed. At first she thought it was a star, but as she watched it moved, and she could see that it wasn't quite as clear and sharp as a star. What is that? That is our approaching threat, he said. He was smiling, as was Drew, at this new way of using the walk. It's a long way off, Drew said. Not as far away as I'd like, and it will be getting much closer, quickly, more quickly than it should. How close, Drew asked. It will, at the very least, pass within the orbit of the moon. At worst, it will actually collide with the earth. That would be bad, Drew said. Very bad. Any idea how we're going to stop it? Not yet. He looked over at her and smiled again. But I have every confidence that something will turn up. We must deal with Penny first. Okay, Drew said. How are we going to find him? Look again at the threat. Your eyes drawn to it, isn't it? Yes, it is, Drew said. It was hard to look away. I suspect that we'll equally be drawn to Penny's location. Let's walk now. He set off down the path and she walked next to him. His power was still working, now unfocused, like static on the radio between stations, she thought. How long are we going to do this, she asked. As long as necessary, he said. They continued their walk. Drew still feeling the approaching creature. It felt like an eye watching her from the sky. She tried to ignore it. The planets and the stars were the same as always, 
the path winding among them, disappearing into the distance. Just be quiet and pay attention in case I miss something, he said. Okay, Drew said. They continued their walking and he glanced, she glanced at the worlds she could sense as they passed. Some she'd visited before. She'd found the world where she had her picnic with James, the world where she'd experienced the earthquake, and, finally, the world where she was born. For the first time in a long time, she thought of her mother and wondered how she was doing, if she ever thought of her daughter. What's that? her father asked, stopping and pointing to a place just off the path. Drew stopped and looked where he was pointing. There was a glow there, something that stood out from everything else. It was faint, but it was obviously there, and obviously didn't belong. Is that him? Drew asked. Some of him. I think if we find him, it'll be stronger. I suspect he's been here recently, and we're seeing evidence of his passing through. They continued on their walk, and Drew noticed other places here and there where she could see the glowing. Sometimes it was much stronger than others. None of them, though, seemed to be where Penny was right then. They kept going, and the glowing grew brighter and seemed to be everywhere. We'll never find him, Drew said. I disagree, her father said. We now have a way of seeing where he's been. I suspect we're getting closer to where he is now. What if he summons me again, Drew asked. I'll find you and put one of the put out one of the candles of the pentagram freeing you. You didn't do that the last time, Drew said. I wasn't aware that he had summoned you before. That won't happen if you were standing right next to me. What do we have here? He stopped again and Drew looked in the direction he was looking. It was by far the brightest area they'd encountered. This one was throbbing too, growing brighter and fading slightly like a heartbeat. Is that it? Drew asked. He extended a palm, closing his eyes, and she could feel his power working. Yes, he said after a long while. Yes, it is. We found him. What now? Drew asked. We go in and destroy him. Hello, this is J. Franklin Evans. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories That Suck. Did it suck? Let me know. Be sure to like and subscribe.